0: Let's begin reading in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, where the Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what grow thereby. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, chew on that in just a moment, chew on this. Here's Peter, and Peter is writing these five chapters and he's writing to believers who are really struggling. Y'all know that, didn't you? They're really struggling. And these are believers that are being persecuted. Now, we don't know much about that, do we? Uh, we are Americans. We've been blessed up one side and down the other. I don't think ever in my life has ever thought, it, it ever crossed my mind that, my goodness, I could get in trouble for going to church. Never has that crossed my mind. Y'all are that way, aren't you? We, we're blessed, so we don't know this kind of suffering. But how many of y'all know that we do live in a sin-cursed world? How many of y'all know that y'all y'all aware of that y'all aware you live in a sin-cursed world? And when you live in a sin-cursed world, one of the results of living in a world cursed by sin is that suffering is pretty normal to our life. We struggle with sin. We battle issues. Bad things happen. Negative things happen. And Peter addresses those in a variety of ways. In the first chapter, he says, uh, look, he said, we, uh, "'We need to greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, "'you're in heaviness through manifold temptations.'" And in the seventh verse, he says that the trial of your faith being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So it's normal to struggle. It's normal to to, to live in a sin-cursed world and have issues and problems and trials. and trials. That's normal. You're not alone in that. Uh, God, God's real and God knows you're not alone in that. All of us, all of us struggle and, and we all get down. We all, you know, get a little backslid. We all uh, sometimes, you know, battle a different sin than somebody else. But living in a world of suffering is rather normal. In chapter four and the twelve, I think it's the 12th verse here. He says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. He's talking about suffering. It's one of the key words in first Peter is the word suffering, but the point Peter makes in First Peter is that you and I are not to allow the world, the flesh, and the devil to destroy us. We are to thrive in the midst of a world of suffering. Are you all aware of that tonight? You all know that word thriving? Y'all, are you all familiar with that, thriving? Somebody says, uh, if, if I said to you, friends, if I said to you tonight, I said, to you, how you all doing? How you all doing? You know what some churches might say? Well, we're surviving. We're surviving World's hard, times are hard, Israel. How y'all doing? We're surviving. He used to say to Bethlehem's dad, how you doing? Bethley's dad was our pastor and my pastor, and he's in heaven now, Pastor Dennis. I'd say, dad, how you doing? He'd say, well, son, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old gracefully. So he'd always say, I'm getting old gracefully. One time I said, how you doing, dad? And he said, well, son, he said, I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger with a seven-year edge. I have no idea what that meant, but I never forgot that. Uh, you know, so I say, How you doing? I said, One guy, how you doing? He said, I'm finer than a frog's hair, split three ways. How I many y'all know that? You ever heard somebody say that? Have no idea what that means either. But if I said to y'all tonight, How y'all doing? You know, a lot of believers in our culture, here's how we're doing. We're surviving. We're doing fine. We're surviving. It's hard. Life's rough. We're surviving. But Peter writes this book to say to us, why church family, God doesn't want us just to survive. Revival is not for survival, though we all well, we gotta have revival so we can survive. No, no, a revival's not for survival. Reviving is for thriving. That's why God wants us to have revival. So you can thrive, so you can have the joy of the Lord in your life, and the power of God in your life, and the presence of God in your life. And so here's what Peter is saying in chapter two. You want to thrive? You want to thrive in a messed up world like ours? Then here's what you gotta do. You gotta grow. You gotta grow if you're going to thrive, you got to grow. You'll, you'll see that in the text? That's just right in the text, isn't it? Because in the midst of a suffering world of problems and trials and all kinds of issues, he said, look, look over your life in verse 1, clean things up in your life, and be like a newborn babe and desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. How many of y'all agree that growing is a good thing? How many of y'all agree with that? Y'all agree with that? We have, you know, a bunch of young'uns and... and um, I remember when we first had Josh and Abby, they, they were so unique. Abby was petite as all get out. She was this tiny little thing, and uh, she was she was so small, I always felt awkward holding her. She was just so tiny. And then we had Josh 14 months after her, and, and when Josh was born, he was like half-grown. And I remember being in the hospital when he was born and, you know, compared to his little sister, here he was. And I thought, did we do something wrong? I mean, what in the world? This kid's like halfway there. And it wasn't long. They looked like twins. And the people, when our kids, when they were really small, people would talk to you all the time because you got two little kids. They, you know, people noticed that. And folks would say to us stuff like this when our kids were little. They'd say, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Don't you wish they could stay babies the rest of their life? How many of y'all know the answer to that? The answer to that is, good heavens, No. Can I get a witness? And I don't know y'all agree with that. I love babies, don't you? I think babies are wonderful. I got a great new grandson. Some of y'all, I showed you pictures tonight. And if you haven't yet seen a picture of my grandson, you catch me afterward, I'll show you. He weighs four pounds. He's doing all right. He's still in the NICU, but he's doing well. Praise the Lord. I- I'm happy with that little guy, but I don't want him to stay a baby. I want that kid to grow up. Grow up. I want my kids to grow up. Our goal is grow up and get out of here. That's our goal. How many y'all with me on that one? Grow up, go on, go on. You got to get out of here because one of these days it's going to be Bethlehem and me, Charity, and uh, then I don't know how we're going to... We may, maybe get us a red Corvette and travel, I don't know. But uh, we're we just going to be the two of us. Might as well just live it up, don't you think? So growing is a good thing. That's what I'm trying to... It's a good thing to grow. It, it, it always is. When you're younger, you, when, you know, when you're a kid, you'll do foolish things sometimes, won't you? But aren't you glad you grow out of those things? Aren't you glad you grow up? Growing is a good thing. Y'all identify with that? So here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible's trying to teach. You want to thrive? You want to be a happy, joyful, spirit-filled Christian who lives in victory in the midst of a messed-up, troubled, challenged world? You want to thrive? Here's how you do it. You got to grow. It's one of the themes of 1 Peter. You got to grow if you're going to thrive. And then he lays out for us how we ought to do it. Really, really, uh, chapter two, verses one, two, and three, is the center of a section here where he's kind of closing out chapter one and then bringing us into chapter two. So to really get the whole growth, you got to go back to chapter one and verse thirteen. Go back to chapter one, verse thirteen, for a moment and just notice this outline tonight. Here, here we'll start in verse thirteen of chapter one. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What I would say in chapter 1 and verse 13 is, you and I ought to be growing in heart. You know that word heart? We ought to be growing in heart. The word heart in the Bible is not this. Y'all know that, don't you? It's not our beating biological heart. The word heart in the Bible is the place where you think. It's where you think. It's where you feel. And it's where you make decisions. That's the word heart in the Bible. When the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart, heart that I might not sin against thee. What he's talking about there is when the word of God is so real in my life, my heart, that I think the word of God it governs my emotions, and it helps me with the decisions I make in life. Then what I find out is I can live in victory. So the word heart is about our, our thinking, about our emotions. And, and look how he puts all that together here. He says in verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind. What's he talking about there? Desire the sincere milk of the word. Get it in your mind. Get it in your mind. And think the word of God and let victory come into your life through the power of God's word. And while you're at it, be serious about it. Be sober. Be sober. Be serious about it. Don't let the world distract you from the Word of God. You got to gird up the loins of your mind. You got to be sober. And then he says right here, you got to hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying right here is think right, grow in your heart, think right. What he says, when he means, what he means when he says "be sober" is stay serious now. Stay serious about your Christianity. Don't don't lose faith. And then he says, "hope to the end." That's a Bible way of saying, "Don't lose confidence. Don't lose confidence. Don't don't get discouraged. Don't don't get down." Sometimes you pray prayers and you think God didn't answer that. God hasn't answered that. God God. God, God, are you hearing me? God, I've been praying for my son a long time. God, are you, hello? God, are you out there? Do you care? And the Bible says right here: Hey, hey, growing heart, don't lose confidence because God is a good God. How I mean, y'all believe that tonight? And God cares about you. How I mean, y'all believe that tonight? And God wants to bless your life. Y'all believe that? Y'all believe that, don't you? And and over and over again in the Bible, you'll find that to be true. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to have victory in your life. And here's what you're going to do. you got to grow. you got to grow in heart. Get the Word of God into your life. As newborn babes desire, sometimes in verse 2 of chapter 2, we get hung up on that newborn babes. And, And sometimes we get focused on the newborn babes. When what we ought to get focused on is the word desire. The word desire is the focus, not the newborn babe. That's just the illustration. The newborn babe is the illustration. Desire is the point. Well, are you a child of God tonight? Uh, Do you know the Lord? You've been born again. Talk to me, have you? All right, then here's what the Bible wants you to know. Desire the word of God so you can grow in heart. Desire the word of God so you can grow in heart. Desire the word of God. Get in the word of God. Love the word of God. Believe the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The Bible says in Jeremiah, thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by thy name O Lord God of hosts over and over again you'll find out that God gave you his word to affect your heart don't get away from the Bible grow 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 in heart and stay in the word of God and read it every day and memorize it meditate on it and chew on it and love the word of God and let it change your life there's not necessarily anything wrong with the news am I all right in saying that Well, it's not wrong to watch the news. No, I don't recommend it necessarily. If you had never heard of Nancy Pelosi, you could still survive. (laughs) If you had no idea who Donald Trump was, you could still die happy. Y'all with me on that? But you can't be the Christian you ought to be without the Word of God. And and so listen, Daddy. Daddy, some of you men in this room, God bless your heart, you work long hours. Some of you men, you've been up way before, before daylight today. You hit through it early this morning. You've been running all day, and, and life is busy, and life is busy. We're not trying to be legal about it. We're not trying to be little spiritual robots where we go through the motions and, and check off our little to-do list spiritually. no. We love God's Word because it's our spiritual food and it changes our life. And so every day we ought to be in the Word of God. Every day find some time to feast on the Word of God, to love the Word of God. You teenagers and I, you need the Bible, you need to grow. If you're going to grow spiritually, you got to get in the Bible. It's a good thing to go to Christian school, but you need the Bible in your life and read it, and memorize it, meditate on it, and apply it to your life. How I many of y'all believe in the power of the Word of God, do you? So here's what here's what Peter says to us. Look, grow. That's how you thrive as a Christian. you got to get back to the Bible. Some of you some of you love the Lord, and, and probably all of you do. You wouldn't be here on a Monday night. I mean, maybe you love food, and that's why you come. But you stayed for the service, and it probably means you love the Lord. It's Monday night for crying out loud, and y'all are in church. That counts for something, doesn't it? Are you all with me? That counts for something. I Some of you could have stayed home tonight and watched Nancy Pelosi, and you came to church instead. And are you going to stay at home and, and you know, watch C-SPAN? That'll really wake you up and get you get your energy up. Uh, there's a lot of things you could have done tonight, but you came to church. So there's no doubt about it. All over this building are people that know God and love the Lord. But how many of you all agree on this? After a while, you can get so busy, you can get so distracted to where the Word of God isn't part of your life the way it ought to be. Am I alone in that, or are you with me on that? You can get to place where you don't remember the last time you memorized a verse of Scripture to help you be what you ought to be. You know, and the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. We can get to the point We never re- memorize the Bible anymore. And as you get older, it does get harder, doesn't it? How I many you all identify with that? And it gets harder, but you have to work at it. You just have to work at it more, work at it more, and, and, and learn the Word of God, chew on the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God. Why? Because we're to grow in heart. You all with me on this one? You all with me on the first point here? This is how you grow. you got to get in the Bible, get in the Bible. Have I said that enough? Uh, what what could you change tonight? Could you read the Bible more? Could you maybe set aside one chapter a day? Could you could you meditate on a few verses every day? Could you memorize a verse as a family once a week? We, we've always tried to find ways to make God's Word a part of our lives, and we've done it in a variety of ways. We've we've read the Bible in family devotions. We've memorized the Bible, and so as we Work on a verse. I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it necessarily, but you have to keep at it. Y'all with me on that? You got to keep at it, keep at it. And all of you men, you need the Word of God. You mommies need the Word of God. You grandparents need the Word of God. You you senior citizens need the Word of God. You single folks need the Word of God. So the Bible's saying right here, you want to thrive? You want to thrive? You want to thrive in a world like ours of suffering and tragedies and trials and problems and bad news and issues and, and uncertainty? It is a world of uncertainty. Who's going to be the next president? I don't know, but I'm uneasy about all of them. Anybody here with me on that? I, I don't, I'm just uneasy about the whole mess. Are you all with me on that? And yet I know the Word of God is more powerful than all the politicians in the world. And if I get to the Word of God, I can find peace in my heart and joy in my heart and right thinking in my life. I can be the man I ought to be, the daddy ought to be, the husband ought to be, the preacher ought to be, the Christian ought to be. But I can't do it without the Word of God. So what Peter says applies to me and you on a Monday night. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to devotions. Let's get back to memorizing some scripture. Let's get back to chewing on it. Hang it on your walls and, and uh, put it on your doorposts and and uh, make it on a three-by-five card and put it on your dashboard and, and listen to it on the way to work. Get your Bible app and listen to somebody read it to you. Make the word of God a vital part of you. He says right here in chapter one, verse 13, he says, here's how you grow. Number one, you gotta grow in heart. Then look at verses 14, 15, 16. In in chapter 1, verse 14, he says, as obedient children, watch this now. It's going to get real good. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is what? Holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Can you see this next point here for me? Can you see it? The first truth we learn is about growing is I need to grow in heart. What's the second area where I need to grow? I need to grow in holiness. I need to grow in holiness. Can you see that? God's people ought to be growing in holiness purity and godliness and Christ likeness. aren't you glad that god is more patient with us than we are sometimes with each other aren't you glad for that but does it mean because god is patient that i should give up on holiness i need to keep growing in holiness i need to be more like god every day of my life and more like jesus every step of the way and our generation hates that word don't hate that word don't, it's a good word if i preached about the goodness of god tonight wouldn't that put you on shouting ground if I said, boy, God is good. Wouldn't you all say amen to that? Oh, the Lord is good. If I said, God is good, somebody might say, well, I'll tell you right now, and, and forgive the grammar, but somebody say, well, boy, there ain't nobody like him. There ain't, ain't nobody like him. God is good. There's nobody like him. But, you know, you ought to spill that over into holiness. When I say, you know, God is holy, here's what you ought to think to yourself, church family. Wow, there's nobody like him. There's just nobody like him. He's a holy God. Nobody like him. He's so pure. He's so clean. He's so righteous. He's never done anything wrong. He's a holy God. He's holy. Well, I can't be like that. I mean, y'all know that. There's not a chance in the world. There's not a chance in the world that my Bethlehem is going to have a perfect husband till we get to heaven. And then I don't know if we're going to be married or not. I, I'd like to think we are because I sure love her. And wouldn't that be an amazing marriage to if I get to heaven, find out I'm still married to her and man with a glorified body, baby, I'm going to look good. Y'all, y'all with me on this? Can y'all get y'all? Come on. It's some the Bible says, isn't it? Woo. I'm telling you what in the world. And I don't know about all that, but my wife's never going to have a perfect husband. Y'all identify with that. She's not going to, but you know what? Doesn't mean I shouldn't be pursuing holiness. I ought to be pursuing holiness. I ought to be trying to be godlier than I've ever been. We can be patient with people, but don't give up on holiness. We can be in different places, but don't give up on holiness. Somebody else may have a different conscience, but don't give up on holiness. Somebody else may apply the word differently, but don't give up on holiness. don't throw in the towel on holiness, because the Bible says right here you've got to grow in that. grow in that, grow in that. Be more like God. Be more like Christ. Let the Word of God change your life. Grow in holiness, never give up on holiness. Holiness is a beautiful thing. it's being like God. It can be in your spirit, your attitude and your actions. It just spills over in every area of your life. Holiness does. And the Bible just says right here, look, as obedient children, don't fashion yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance. How many, of y'all know, how many of y'all know that before we got saved, we didn't know any better? And there's a whole lot of stuff we did that we shouldn't have done, but we didn't know any better. We were just ignorant. We didn't know any better. And so we live like the world around us because that's what sinners do. Y'all with me on that? But there came a day in my life I got saved. How many of y'all that happened in your life? I was on the road to hell and I met Jesus. I got saved. I didn't deserve to be saved, but I met Jesus, and he changed my life. I'm child of God. I'm saved. And now I can grow. I'm growing in holiness. Now, what's the Bible talking about here? In every area of your life, always examine your life. Say, am I pleasing to God? Am I pleasing to God? Is this right, Lord? Is this okay? I love teenagers. I preach to teens all the time. And I'm just so encouraged to be around teenagers. Teenagers that are on fire for God thrill my soul. And throughout this summer, I've seen a lot of young men give their life to be preachers and the ministers of the gospel and missionaries and evangelists. I just want you all to know, church family, God is on the move in the hearts of a lot of young people. And I know it's a messed up world, and our young people deal with some issues that our generation didn't have to deal with. But I'm telling you, God is on the move, and there's a lot of great young people serving the Lord and all in for God, and I'm encouraged about that. God is not finished with working in our generation. You all know that, don't you? And yet teenagers, I love teenagers, and teens will sometimes, they'll come to me in in a camp or at a youth rally, and and teens love to ask questions about issues. And teens will say, well, now, Brother Young, what do you think about such and such movie or such and such singing group or such and such band or this style of music or what do you think about this, you know, dress? I get get questions like that all the time from teenagers. And teenagers, I used to work so hard to keep up with y'all. I read up one side and down the other, what's the latest band? What's the latest issue? What's the latest cool word? You know, what, how, what are we saying? What are we listening to? And what's the latest video game? And I've just given up on it. I can't keep track of it all. And I'm so glad I gave up on it because when I gave up on it, I realized I don't need to answer your question. Teens come got to me and say, well, what do you think about this? Or maybe an adult, what do you think about that? Well, the fact of the matter is, how many of y'all know this? God is way bigger than what I think. Are y'all with me on that? God is way bigger than what I think. How many of y'all with me on that? Are you with me on that? And and all I got is, I say to teens all the time, say, now, why are you asking me? I'm just Dave Young. Why are you asking me? Isn't God real? Isn't the Holy Spirit real? Don't you have a Bible? Well, I say to teens all the time, don't don't compare yourself to somebody else. Get yourself to the Bible and say, now, Lord, is this okay for me to listen to? Is this okay for me to watch? Is this okay for me to wear? God, am I honoring you in this area? Am I honoring you in that area? Lord, talk to me. Talk to me. Help me. Is this right, Lord? Did you know, dear friends, that God is real? Talk to me. Did y'all know that? So go to God, go to God, and say, "Lord, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I honoring You and in in the way I live and the way I talk and the way I act and what I'm watching on TV?" And and, and so many times in our world, we just do what we do. Just in the church, we just do what we do. Yeah, we just just go through the motions. Yeah, you know. Well, I've watched that all my life, or I've done that. I remember one revival. I've probably told you the story. I remember this one revival I had, and I, I, I Sunday morning at a big old church, and and I'd never been there before, and I didn't know how the folks would respond, but I did something in that church I'd never done before. At the end of the Sunday morning service, I said to this crowd, I said, now, look, we're having revival this week, and I just want to ask you if you'll make a commitment to God, if you'll make a promise to God. I might have even used the word vow. Would you make a vow to God in this very first service? And here's what I want you to vow, promise, commit to God. God, anything you say to me in this revival, I will obey. Would you pray about that? I said, would you, pray? Would you promise God? Would you... Would you make a commitment? And I think I might have used the word vow. Would you say, God, anything, anything, God, you say to me, I will obey. Well, isn't that what holiness is about? God, you know what's better for me than I know what's better for me. You know things in my life that's hurting me and robbing me of my joy and my peace and my victory. God, you know what's keeping me from being the daddy ought to be and the soul winner ought to be and the husband. God, you know about me. So anything you tell me to do, Lord, I'll do. See, that's what holiness is all about. Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Tell me what to do, God. I'll, I'm, I'm all ears, God. Talk to me. Talk to me, Lord. Talk to me. I'm listening. What should I change? What should I add? And I said that in that church, and, and I think almost everybody there got on their knees. said, All right, Lord, we'll, whatever you say, four days here to seek you. This is a four-day revival conference, and whatever you say to us, we'll do it. Whatever you say. And what I remember so well is the final night of that meeting, right before the service started, I was coming down the middle aisle. It was a church about maybe not quite this big, but had four rows of pews. And I was coming down the middle aisle, and this lady caught me in the middle aisle. And she said, Brother Young, can I talk to you? And I said, well, yes, ma'am. And she said, uh, she said this afternoon, Brother Young, she said, Sunday morning, I told God anything you say to me, I'll obey. Anything you tell me to do, I'll do it. I promised God that Sunday morning. And she said, so I came home from work today. And she said, I sat down to relax a little bit, you know. And she said, I did something I've done my whole adult life. I sat down to do something I've done my entire adult life. And you know what she told me she did? I, I, I was caught off guard by it. I, I didn't even know these things still existed. I didn't even know this was still a thing. She said, I sat down to watch my favorite soap opera. And I, I, you know, I've never preached about that because I don't even know about those things. I don't even know they still exist. And I, you know, thought that was way back there somewhere. Surely we got over that. But she said, uh, she said I sat down to do, well, I've done this my whole adult life. I come home and relax by watching my favorite soap opera. And she said, Brother Young, I, I told God, anything you say to me, I'll do it. Anything you say to me, I'll do it. And she said, uh, I sat down to watch my favorite soap opera. And she said, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just crawled up in that chair with me. And the spirit of God said to me, you know what? You need to get rid of this. This isn't helping you be the Christian you ought to be. This isn't right. This isn't God honoring. And she started crying right there in the middle of the aisle before the surf started crying. And here's what she said. I mean, she just cried. She said, so brother young, I gave them up. And then she said this. She said, I'm so glad the revival's ending tonight. She said, because if I give up anything else, I ain't going to have nothing left. You ever feel that way? See, if we're not here, we think like, oh my goodness, I'm a Christian, I can't do nothing. I can't wear that, can't go there, can't watch that, can't listen. It's so easy to think of holiness is something negative. But holiness isn't negative. God is a holy God. Now, I'm saying there's nobody like him. He's so pure. He's so amazing. He's so wonderful. He's a holy God. There's nobody like him. And what he says here is pursue me. Come after me. I know what's best for your life. You can trust me. I know what's best. You you may not be, you know, where I am, and I may not be where you are, but all of us ought to be listening to God and saying, God, lead out. We want to grow, Lord, in holiness. Where's another area where I could be like Jesus? Where's another area that I could improve? Where's another area that I I could be sweeter. Where's another area that, that I could be more careful? Where's another area that I could be more holy? You gotta grow in holiness if you're gonna thrive in this messed up world you live in. So, how y'all doing? See, here's what we do in our independent Baptist churches. Our independent Baptists are wonderful, aren't they? Let me try that again. <clears throat> independent Baptists are wonderful, aren't they? I hope y'all think that because you are one. Oh, if you know that or not, but you are one. But you know what? Sometimes independent Baptists, we work so hard at, you know, revivals and missions conferences and preaching and teaching and 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 you know, we we we're a little more strict maybe than some people are. But but sometimes in our Baptist churches, we can get all our eyes cross, or all our I's our dotted and our T's crossed, and here's what we can think. We can think, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I've arrived. Right. Praise God, I'm here. I tithe, I'm almost part of the Trinity. I mean, I'm so spiritual. I read my Bible every day and I pray. It's easy to think I've arrived. It's easy to think that. It's easy for me to think that. You know what? I got it all together. Praise God. It's wonderful to be me. Praise the Lord. I'm just doing so well spiritually. But here's what the Bible wants you to know in a revival meeting. What a time to stop and say, Lord, am I growing? Lord, what's the next step? Anybody here arrived? Anybody here as far as you can get spiritually, this side of heaven? Anybody here? Anybody here as far down the road as you can go? I mean, next step's heaven. You're you're already that, and just one foot away because you're so spiritual. Well, none of us would say that, would we? But if we're not careful, we live like that. See, we would all be willing to say, well, you know, I I know I could probably be a better Christian. In fact, James said it like this. James said, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? So think about how practical that is. Somebody says, you know, I ought to be a better daddy. All right, pick it up. Because if you know you ought to be and you're not, the Bible says that's sin. Isn't that simple? I says, well, I ought to be a better soul winner." Hey, pick it up. He says, you know, I ought to be more careful what I listen to. All right, stop it. It's my holiness. You, you, we, could, we could talk about all kinds of issues of holiness, couldn't we? We could talk about our attitude. You know, you're not holy if you're grouchy and irritable and hard to get along with, sharp tongue, short tempered, and uptight and bothered all the time. That's not holy, is it? That's not holy, is it? If, if every time the pastor sees you coming, he's like, oh, boy, here we go again. I don't mean that to be mean. I'm just saying, shame on us. What kind of holiness is that? That's not holy. That's just as carnal as the day is long. We ought not to always be cantankerous and look for the next thing to fight over and fuss over. And That's not holy. So sometimes holiness is our spirit and our attitude and the way we talk to each other. But sometimes it's the habits of our life. You know, some people just got saved and they don't, they don't know everything we know. But some of you have been saved a long time. You ought to be more holy than a new convert. Is that fair to say? We're all different places. Why, well, listen, if you're a new Christian in this room tonight, well, there'd be all kinds of things that we had overlooked. We'd say, well, you know, they just got saved. Isn't that wonderful? And we'd jump up and down and praise the Lord for you. But, you know, once you've been saved 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 or 35 or 40 years, praise God, you ought to be more holy than you've ever been. And I can spill over into all kinds. We could talk about music, couldn't we? Music's such a wonderful thing. Aren't you glad God gave you music? And aren't you glad there's some variety in music? Come, I mean, y'all, praise God for that. You ought to travel with me. You go to as many Baptist churches as I go to, you'd be amazed how many different kinds of music there are. Some are so formal. Man, I'm telling you, woo, it's like, woo, way up there, high class, high class. It's amazing. And some could use a little formality. That's the truth. Sometimes they're bluegrass. how I many y'all like bluegrass, do you? My wife says, that sounds like weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. She's never been a real bluegrass fan. I like it. I was raised in the mountains. I like a little bit of that bluegrass. Bluegrass is the only genre of Christian music where everybody can be off and sound good. And it's a wonderful thing. And some people say, well, I like a little little Southern. I was raised on Southern gospel. And, you know, there's just all kinds of music. We sang a newer chorus tonight. Change my heart, oh, God. Aren't you glad there's good variety? And not everything you listen to has to be Christian necessarily because music is something, a gift from God. You know, I like Happy Birthday, but as far as I know, that's not real biblical. And being a Tennessee Volunteer fan, I I like Rocky Top. Don't judge me on that. Don't judge me. But I like Rocky Top because I'm a Tennessee Vols fan. I wouldn't sing that in church unless I'm in Tennessee and it's a good invitation song then. then. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But the fact of the matter is, not all of our music has to sound the same. But shouldn't all of us be saying, God, am I honoring you and what I listen to? Am I holy, Lord? And what I watch on TV, am I holy? The way I dress. See, see if you're a new Christian, well, these really aren't even on your radar and don't, don't need to be. Well, if you... If you only been saved a couple of months, well, you know, nobody's necessarily worried that much about what you listen to and what you dress. Right now, you're just growing in the Lord and trying to figure out what Christianity is, you got to get baptized and join the church and learn how to grow in the Lord. But after a long time, some of us have been saved so long, we need to grow in some holiness in this revival. We need to get closer to God, grow in holiness, get more spirit-filled and more spirit-led and, and a little closer to God and have a happier Christian family and be more pleasing to God and our music or our modesty. There's all kinds of areas we could talk about, and there's no reason to split hairs about them. The fact of the matter is I ought to desire to be like God, and i got to grow into that. Am I making sense tonight? He said desire the sincere, milk. That's how you thrive as a Christian. You gotta wanna grow, you gotta wanna grow. And you grow in heart, you grow in heart, and then you grow in holiness. And then you get down to chapter two and you jump out of, out of chapter one into chapter two and he gives us the heart of this section. And that is verse two, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby. And then he gets theological on us for the next verses four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and 10. And then he gets practical again in verse 11. Two more things I'll show you, maybe maybe three if I have time. But look at verse 11, chapter two. Dearly beloved, now he's going back to talking to us about our Christianity, about thriving. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation. What's that? What's that word? Honest among the Gentiles. Now think about that. How many y'all agree? I ought to grow in heart. I ought to desire the word of God and grow in heart. My thinking, my emotions, my decisions I ought to grow in heart. And, and I ought to ought to grow in holiness. Y'all agree, we may split some hairs on that, but we all agree that's what the Bible says, isn't it? And then what he says right here is ought to grow in honesty. That's a weird word. What in the world does that mean? Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. So I did a little research, and here's what I came up with. What does he mean when he says you ought to grow in honesty? What does he mean by that? Well, the word is translated in several ways. Uh, in, in the New Testament. Jesus said, let men see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You all recognize that verse? The word good, the word good is the same word honest right here in verse 12 of chapter 2. Having your conversation good among the Gentiles. And then in the the New Testament, Jesus said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. That's the same word honest right here. Having your conversation meat among the Gentiles. And then here's another one. Jesus said, it is better, it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye than having two eyes. I remember that verse. I remember that line from Jesus. That word better is the same word honest here. Having your conversation better, among the Gentiles. Y'all put those together? What's he saying right here? When he says, I need to grow in honesty, what's he talking about? I need to grow in goodness. I I need to be better. I need to be better. I just love how simple that is. I need to be better. And what he says right here is, I need to be better in this mixed up, messed up world I live in. How many of y'all notice this? Boy, the world we live in is in a mess. Have y'all noticed that or is that just me? Marriages are falling apart. Families are hurting. Seems like sickness is on the rampage. How many people do you know that goes to the doctor and has another bad report? Just seems like the devil's just beating us to death, living in this sin-cursed world, just beating us to death. But the Bible says, hey, 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 don't, don't, don't lose. Don't give up. Don't slide back and get backslidden and cold in heart." He said, make sure you're growing in your heart and you're growing in your holiness, and make sure you're growing in your honesty. Make sure that in this messed up world, you're living better than the people around you are. Don't let this world defeat you. Don't let this world get you down, church. Don't you give up. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you, don't you, don't you stop. Don't, don't, don't stop advancing. you you got to grow in, in, in honesty. you got to be better than the world around you. you got to be full of good works. Can I say that? you got to be full of good works. Are you full of good works? In your neighborhood? No, right there's a real Christian. I'll tell you right now, if anybody's a real Christian, she is, or that family right there, boy, look at that family. Wonder if there's anybody on your street that watches you. Wonder if there's anybody on your street. And when they say you go to church on Sunday morning, they say no, they're such a good family. Boy, they got good kids, don't they? Boy, I'm telling you right there, is a real deal Christian. That's what he means when he says having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. How many of y'all know that in a world like ours, it's easy to be cantankerous as the day is long? How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all know it's easy to get frustrated? Come on, come on. Am I right? And I've got to have my conversation honest in this world. I've got to be different than the world around me. I've got to be spirit-filled and gentle and gracious and kind and just full of good works. I mean just full of good works, just loving people and serving people and trying to help them, encourage them, and strengthen them. Am I making sense or not? Are y'all following? you all following? You've got to grow. How long have it been since you really were all in for God? I don't know about good works. Just really serving the Lord with all your heart. What kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor are you? You got any neighbors that love, love you because you've tried to be full of good works? And you serve them and care about them, reach out to them, encourage them, strengthen them. How many of you all know it doesn't happen by accident? We've got to slow down and work at it if we're going to be full of good works. Are you all with me or not? You got to slow down, pick it up. Pick, well, you know, this Cleveland, we don't talk to each other. Well, I hope that's not true. Sometimes in our culture, we are, you know, we're so busy. It's like, well, there's our neighbor. Hey, wave a hand and keep moving, or maybe not even wave a hand. But we're the people of God. Church, we are to care about people. We are to be full of good works. When's the last time you spoke to a neighbor and, and served a neighbor, did something special for a neighbor, while I'm up here, preaching to y'all in revival. Uh, one of my buddies, teenage boy, is taking care of our house. I'm, I'm at our yard. And so while I'm gone, he's going to mow the grass for me. We have pin oaks in our yard. And every time a windstorm comes through, it drops dead limbs all over the yard. And I, I'm paying him a little bit to mow my yard while I'm gone and pick up our, our brush out of our yard. So I sent his daddy a text. I, I text him via his daddy. And I said to him, I said, hey, uh, when he goes this weekend to mow our grass, uh, have, him, have him mow the front yard of our neighbors over there. She never mows it, but have him just mow her yard too. And, and she has these big old pin oaks she hadn't, you know, uh, cleaned up anything in a while. And, and I'll pay him, just have him, tell him I'll pay him, just go over there in her yard and pick up all of hers too. And if she comes out, just tell her, just tell her. I said, tell him to tell her. If she comes out, so her name's Mary, say, uh, Mary, Dave Young told me to clean this up. And just tell her, tell her, say, Dave Young told me to. And uh, and you know what? I, I think we ought to do more of that. Well, what are we trying to do there? We're trying to have a conversation honest among the Gentiles. Just it's, it's just a little thing. It's just it's just some brush. It's just a few bucks to pay a teenage boy to help me, and I'm not home, but you know what? She she never cleans up her front yard, but I can make it look good when I mean, her front yard looks good. My my front yard looks better. Isn't that simple. I went on both sides. I, I get to serve her and I also get to look better in my yard. Isn't that wonderful? And just just being full of good works, how how long has it been since you were full of good works? You you made somebody maybe a cake lately or or a dessert or maybe a muffin. I mean, we ought to help each other be bigger, shouldn't we? And serve each other and encourage each other like that. Y'all want me on this? We're blessed. I I don't know if you know this or not, but fat in the Bible is positive. Did y'all know that? You look that up in the Bible, you'll find that's the truth. The fat of the land. He said, I'll feed you with the fat of the land. That's positive. And you read about Daniel in the the Old Testament. Daniel, after Daniel honored God and did what was right. The Bible, you can read this in Daniel chapter 1. The Bible says he was fairer and fatter and 10 times better. Man, that'll preach right there, won't it? Don't you think God's people ought to want to be like Daniel? Fairer and fatter and 10 times better. Don't you all agree with that? Well, why was Daniel fairer and fatter and 10 times better? Because he was full of good works and honored God and walked with God and did what was right. It's biblical to be to be honest, to have a conversation, a behavior, a lifestyle full of good works, honest among the Gentiles. Does that make sense to you all tonight? And there's one more. You got you, you got time for one more here? It's, it's still before 8 o'clock. So, so look at this real quick, and, and let's be done. Note, notice in uh, the next few verses, chapter 12, he says, we ought to submit ourselves to the ordinance of men, and and unto governors in verse 14. He says, it's the will of God in verse 15. He says, we're free, but we're not to use our liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but instead we're to be servants of God. And and here's the one last thing I'll show you. He says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. One more word for you. The the key is, chapter 2, verse 2, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. And so chapter 1 here, as he introduces this section, says, grow now in your heart. Grow in heart. Get my word in there. Grow in heart. Grow in holiness. Grow in holiness. Pursue me. Pursue righteousness. Grow in honesty. Having your conversation honest. And what he says here in the 17th verse is grow in honor. Grow in honor. Grow in honor. That word means to value value all men, value the king, treat others well, value all men. Church, are you like this? You ever get so busy in your Christianity that you overlook people? We're to value people. We're to value people. We're to honor all men. We're to va- the word means value. We're to value people, people, are souls for whom our Savior Jesus died on the cross. Y'all believe that? so I ought to value them. Doesn't mean there aren't issues, doesn't mean there aren't problems, doesn't mean sometimes people are hard to get along with, but as a child of God, I'm to grow by honoring all people. I'm to value them. If it's a person in the nursing home, I'm going to value what a soul. God loves them and cares about them. If it's a neighbor, and maybe he's a little hard to get along with, I may disagree with some of the things a neighbor does, but I can tell you what I can do. I can value their soul and care about them and work on them and pray for them and try to Reach out to them. What do we do about the government in a world like ours? Well, the Bible says right here you honor the king. You value. That doesn't mean you agree with, doesn't mean you dot every I and cross every T the same way a political person does. But what the Bible says here is we ought to value them. Did, did, you know, did you know the political leaders of our land are souls for whom Jesus died? And how many of y'all have political opinions? Is that, is that a fair question? How many of y'all have political opinions, do you? But don't ever allow your political opinion to cause you to miss the fact that that's a soul. That's a soul, and we ought to care about their soul. And you say, what what, what are we going to do? doesn't matter who gets elected. We ought to value them and pray for them. We ought to say, God, you ought to save them. You ought to save them. God, you ought to save them. God, you ought to save them. Oh, Lord Jesus, you died for them. Oh, Jesus, work in their heart. We ought to care about the souls of men, whether it's your neighbor or a relative or somebody running for politics in our culture. That's what the Bible is saying right here. What a way to live. Peter Peter wrote these words in a despicable hour. The church is being persecuted up one side and down the other. And what does he say to them? Oh, church, the world is full of suffering. My dear brothers and sisters, the world is hard, and, and, and your faith is being tried, and my goodness, the devil's trying to kill us. But desire my word, desire God's word so you can grow. And and, and while you're at it, grow, grow in heart and grow in holiness and grow in in, in honesty and grow in honor. I won't preach on it, but you ought to go home and read chapter 3 and he'll tell you down there in chapter 3, you ought to grow at home. You ought to grow at home. You ought to have a Christian family and you ought to be growing there. It's all the point here, uh, uh, the end of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2 and part of chapter 3. What's he saying to us as believers? You got to grow if you're going to thrive. That's what he's saying. And, and, and in, intermingled in all of it, between all the practical advice and the statements, I love what Peter does. Between all the, he gives all kinds of practical advice and truth, and in between all of it, he does one last thing. In between all of it, he points us over and over again to a Savior named Jesus. And he talks over and over in 1 Peter about a Savior named Jesus who suffered for our sin who died on a cross for our sins, who did for us what we cannot do for ourselves, who made a way for people like me and you who are sinners, who don't deserve to go to heaven, don't even know where it is, and don't know how to get there. A Savior named Jesus came in the world and died in our stead. And he was buried. He suffered for our sins. He was buried, and praise God, he rose from the dead three days later. The message of Christianity, the message, the heartbeat of Christianity is that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And anybody who turns to him, calls on him, believes on him, trusts in him, takes him to be their God and Savior will be forgiven of their sins and have everlasting life. What a glorious truth to end on. Don't you agree? If you by chance came to the Monday night revival service, whether you're in the balcony or here on the main floor, but you've never been saved through Jesus Christ. Dear friend, can I say to you tonight, dear friend, can I say to you tonight, Jesus paid it all. Your sins are paid for. He rose from the dead so you could have eternal life and spiritual life and everlasting life and abundant life and overcoming life and victorious life. Why, Jesus did all of that for you. And the only way to get started in Christianity is to turn from your sin, believe on Jesus. You come to God as a sinner. You gotta get humble and say, God, you're right, I'm a sinner, but I wanna be forgiven of my sins. That's what it means. You come to Jesus on that basis, I'm a sinner. Cannot save myself, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I want you to save me, forgive me, cleanse me. Why, well, if that's you tonight, walk down an aisle tonight, we're gonna have an invitation. Y'all know what an invitation is? It's a time for prayer. It's a time to seek God. How many of you are saved on your way to heaven? Let me see it. Wave your hand if you're saved on your way. Are you? I praise the Lord for you. How many of you would say, Dave, one or more of those four areas? I can see that I need to grow. Let me see your hand tonight. I could see I need to grow. You know what we ought to do tonight? We ought to have an invitation because now we need to pray about that. It's a time to seek God. It's time to pray. We need to pray about that. And I'd recommend you pray in one of three ways. Either come down here and make an altar. Some of you haven't knelt in a while. At an altar. It'd be good for you tonight to just come on down and get on your knees. Make an altar. Or if you're not going to make an altar here at the front, when everybody else stands, you just stay seated and bow your head there in your seat and cry out to God. And then when you're done praying, stand up with everybody else. If you'd like to stand for prayer, then you just stand and pray like this. Put your hands up and get in the presence of God tonight and say, God, I need to grow. I'm talking about go a step farther than you normally know do. Don't just, don't just go through the motions tonight. Get all in and pray. This is an invitation. Get on your knees or be seated or raise your hands and say, God, I want to grow and I want to thrive and you got to help me. And if you'll do it, I'm telling you now, you can have revival. You can have revival. And while we're all praying, church, all of us, that just raised our head. You know why we're here tonight, sinner uh, friends? You know why we're here? We're here tonight because we want to thrive. We want God to help us be the Christians we ought to be. And you would agree with that. If, even if you're a sinner, you would agree with that, wouldn't you? Shame on a person that says, I'm a Christian and doesn't do right and doesn't live it. So, so celebrate with us that we're trying to be the Christians that we ought to be and do what's right. But you're not a Christian. And while we're praying, we're raising our hands or seated for prayer or kneeling here at the front during the invitation time, you walk down the aisle tonight and let one of the counselors here at the front take a Bible and help you to know you're going to heaven. As soon as the first note of the piano is played tonight, come on down here and we'll pray with you, and you can leave here and on your way to heaven, and you can know it. Have I made sense, brothers and sisters?